0: It, it quits being about all the other stuff. It's just about Jesus. So I appreciate them and, and their gifts and all they do. And, and I, I just thank you. Would you pray with me one more time, at least? Heavenly Father, thank you again for the birth of your son. Lord, as we come together and we continue to celebrate all that happened and all that came to earth that night, and that baby was born to a virgin, placed in a manger, and became God with us. Lord, as we look at your word, we ask that you guide us, direct us, teach us, speak to us, and change us. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Hey, Grayson, would you shut that door? Thank you. So last week we celebrated um, the life of joy that that we have and that we have been given by being children of God, by having a relationship with Jesus because he saved us, because he came, we don't have to live in gloom. We get to live in joy. Doesn't mean we're always happy, and we talked about that last week, and we'll talk about a little more today. But it means our life is not gloom. It is joy. And that God, that Jesus actually came for the purpose of giving us joy. Isn't that great? We sang about it. We celebrated it. Anytime we sing joyful, joyful, we adore you. It's like everybody gets louder because we like that, right? We love the joy. And today... We're going to talk a little bit about the peace that Jesus brought when he came, that, that Jesus instituted the kingdom of peace. Now, I will tell you the, the truth. Peace is not usually the first word that comes to my mind when I think of Christmas. I, I usually think of shopping malls being crowded, too many people driving up and down 281 all week long, right? Right? Where getting cut off and getting angry because those dadgum tourists are blocking my road to H-E-B. And you know, this year has been a little different, right? I mean, a lot more Amazon. I know a lot of us are frustrated with Amazon because they promised one thing, but they're not going to deliver on Christmas. But I don't know if any of you guys have made the long journey to the big city And gone shopping. Have any of y'all done that in the last two weeks? It's bad. It's not as bad as it's been in the past, but believe me, even in the city of Austin, the distancing is futile. Those people are crazy. You're waiting in long lines. They're getting mad. Um, Target has changed the way they do things. If you want the game this year, which there's two, Xbox something and PlayStation 9 million or something. If you want those, you don't go throw each other down for it like you used to do with Tickle Me Elmo. Instead, you have to order online, and if you're in just the right window at just the right time, they'll bring it out to your car. But if you're not, you're out of luck, and you're going to yell at the poor dude in the red, red shirt and get mad at him, just like... I was, I, I love, there was a movie in the 80s called Jingle All the Way or the 90s, I can't remember. And Arnold Schwarzenegger and, and this guy Sinbad were fighting over this robot thing. And I, I just, that's my image of Christmas way too often, right? Not, not the beauty of the manger or the peace that God offers, right? Um, but the birth of Jesus is supposed to remind us of the many things about a Savior, and most of all about his peace, right? What a beautiful idea peace is. When I say the word peace, we all think, I don't say it well with my braces, I just realized, but when I say the word peace, we all have probably different images. Um, Some of us think immediately of the absence of conflict and war. Wouldn't that be great if we lived in a world of peace without war? Some of us think of just a few moments in our house without our kids screaming at each other, right? What a beautiful moment that peace would be. Some may remember the old Calgon commercial, and that may be what your image of peace is. Do y'all remember that? For those, those of us a little younger than me, You'll, there was this commercial where this woman, this mom, was working hard, was busy, the kids were screaming, everything, and she'd just go, Calgon, take me away. And then she would disappear into a beautiful bubble bath, and it was quiet, and there were candles. I'm sure their husband was better than I was and did all that for him, right? And she was just in peace. Some of us might think of kind of a, a Buddhist monk kind of peace, right? Aum. And everything is just zen. And our chi our is lined up, right? I bet, a lot of, I bet there aren't many sermons with chi in them today. But anyway, <laughs> that it's just peace. Gandhi almost, right? Just peace. And one of those common factors of almost every vision of peace that we have is it's quiet, right? That peace is is quiet but you know what we don't live in a quiet world do we in fact to get quiet you either have to wake up and get out of your house and sit on the porch in the dark hours or you have to stay up late after everybody goes to bed it's pretty much the only way you can get quiet in this world isn't it so so peace has to be more than quiet and even this year, in a time where many people are working from home, many of us had had, have had so much more family time than we could have ever imagined, right? I mean, in the past, we begged for time with our family. We, we hoped we could have more time with our children before they grew up and, and moved out of the house. But even in this time where a lot of us are working from home, we're still begging for peace, for, for, the, for the world to slow down. Well, guess what? The world doesn't slow down, does it? It never slows down. It's not going to get... I hope it's better in 2021, but it's not going to slow down in 2021. It's going to speed up. It's going to be quicker. Things are going to be coming at us that we have to make choices about. Change is coming like it never stopped, Because the world keeps going. Why do we beg for peace so much? Could it be that we're looking for peace in a lot of the wrong places? Or maybe we don't really understand what peace is. In John 14, 27, Jesus makes a promise to his disciples, and and I would say he makes the same promise to us. So you have a little context because it's always weird when you pick one thing out. I want you guys to know what's happening. Jesus and his disciples are in the upper room. Jesus had washed the feet of his disciples a few minutes earlier. They had taken the Last Supper. Jesus was talking to his disciples. Judas had run off because Jesus had called him out. And let me tell you, Once Judas left, this should have been like the most peaceful, wonderful worship service moment in history, right? Jesus just washed their feet, right? Jesus just gave them communion. It's just him and them. He's teaching them. They're listening. Mm -mm. It wasn't. They were arguing, like I talked about earlier. They were arguing about who was going to betray him, and then they switched to who was going to be the greatest, and then they argued about this and that, and totally lost sight of what Jesus was trying to get. Jesus predicted Peter was going to deny him, and Peter argued with Jesus. Thomas doubted even more. The disciples were confused about all this talk about blood and body and broken and red. And well, I just, I'm giving my life I'm This last time I'm going to eat with you. They're all messed up. And then Jesus laid down this nugget, which is John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I don't give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. Let's read that again. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. My peace I give you. I am leaving peace with you. That is a strange statement. Like, here, catch some peace, right? I mean, that's almost what it is. I don't want to be totally disrespectful, maybe a little disrespectful, but isn't it like that? It's like he's throwing peace around like it's an object to be caught. I am leaving peace with you. If I was there and I wasn't already confused, I'm pretty sure now I'd have no clue what what Jesus was talking about. How can peace be something you leave? Isn't peace something that happens when everything is calm? When everything is working out just the way you want it? When unicorns and butterflies and rainbows fill a beautiful green valley without a cloud in the sky. And Disney music is playing in the background. But Jesus is saying this right before the disciples' world were about to be thrown upside down. He was about to be arrested. He was about to be beaten. He was about to be crucified. They were going to be scattered, they were going to be leaderless, they were afraid. And Je- Jesus is saying, I'm leaving my peace with you now. That doesn't make any sense. But maybe that's exactly what we're supposed to hold on to in these coming days, in these coming years, as turmoil and disunity and division continues to grow. The peace that Jesus gave them. Throughout the Old Testament, the word for peace is shalom. It is, and it was still, a daily greeting in Israel. Most of us have heard of the word, right? Shalom, peace. We know it means peace. But maybe you didn't know, that, or I didn't know either, that it means so much more. The root of the word is found in almost all Semitic languages. And it is more accurately defined as whole or complete in hebrew when you're greeted with shalom a better understanding would be may you be well may you be whole may you be complete today i love that that makes sense to me right peace is wholeness peace is being complete peace is being well So when Jesus said, shalom, I leave with you. My shalom, I give to you. He's telling us, he's leaving his completeness, his wholeness, his wellness with us. That's some good news. We as believers and followers of Jesus, because we have been given the Holy Spirit, can have that shalom peace. We've been made whole by the blood of Jesus. But like so many of the gifts that God has poured out on us, we have to receive that gift. We have to live, choose to live, in a life of that gift. And we have to trust that that gift is truly there. You remember the end of John 14, 27? I don't give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. Jesus is reminding the disciples to live in his shalom because he knows their tendency, and our tendency too, to let our hearts be troubled and to be full of fear. So shalom, peace, is meant to combat trouble, troubled hearts, to combat the fears that we face. You know that, You know that, and I know that when we really think about it, when we are truly at peace, we aren't worried or afraid. So Jesus is reminding the disciples and us today that it is to combat fear and worry. That we must trust him. Obviously, the early church struggled with this well. Because in the book of Philippians, Paul had to instruct the church there how to live in shalom peace. And and I think that's the reminder for us today. So we're going to look at Philippians 4, 4 through 9. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And then the God of peace will be with you. God makes a promise to us. He promises his peace. And then he shows us exactly how to receive the overwhelming, unimaginable, incomprehensible peace of God. The peace that Jesus left with his disciples. The completeness, the wholeness, and his wellness. I love it when things are made simple. If you know me, I like it simple. I like step-by-step instructions. I actually like making Ikea furniture because I know that if I follow the directions exactly and they put all the parts in there, I will be able to put it together correctly. Now, I'll admit, I get frustrated when I can't figure out which is part A and which is bolt Z, but once I figure that out, I'm able to get it, and I love it. Paul's given us that kind of instruction except for a lot clearer than Ikea. He's showing us how to live in the shalom peace of Jesus. That's what Philippians 4 is about. Now, two things before we get into the step-by-step, I want you to remember. Number one is, the peace has already been given to all believers. Jesus did that in John 14, and it indwells in us when we are given the Holy Spirit. We need to remember this. We already have it. We just forget to live in it. Sometimes, and, and the second thing is this, sometimes we try to follow the instructions, but we get confused on the parts. What I mean is like IKEA Furcher, we sometimes think side C is side A, and no matter how hard we try to put them together, it just doesn't work, right? When it comes to living in the shalom peace of God, sometimes we try to take matters into our own hand to find peace. We put our trust in things God has given us that they were not to be where we find shalom peace. Things like money, things, relationships, government, people, maybe even our jobs. None of those are bad, right? But if you try to find shalom peace in them, you're going to miss the mark. You'll never reach the shalom peace God has in store for us. But now let's focus on these simple instructions, I think, that Paul gives us on how to live in that shalom peace of God. First, rejoice in the Lord always. It's where it starts. It starts in celebrating God. Not just when we're happy, but when we're sad, when we're scared, when we're afraid, when we're anxious, when we're worried to celebrate, rejoice that God is in control. We need to give glory to God in both the good and the bad. We need to celebrate. But we also can be joyful when you're going through a crisis. That doesn't mean you'll be happy. Remember, we talked about that last week. Joy and happiness are not the same thing. But rather you will know that God has it, whatever it is. He's holding on to you. He's got a plan for you. And that plan will be perfect, even if it means that we die in this body. But as believers, we know this is just, that death is just the beginning. That we'll be resurrected and be with him forever. The way we were designed to be. The way we were made to be. Enjoy. Will last, will last for eternity, because his plan is perfect. Second, we need to let our gentleness be evident to all. Living in shalom peace means we are instruments of that peace to others. We are gentle and kind. We live like Jesus. We don't return evil for evil. We love all, we pray for all, including those who persecute us. We are the peacemakers that Jesus celebrates in the Sermon on the Mount. We don't incite anger in others with our words, with our actions, with our social media posts. We share the love of Jesus. We be gentle. So we rejoice always, and we be gentle. Now, a hard one for me. Do not be anxious about anything. Toughest for me, for sure. I am an anxious person. I worry about everything you can ask Amber. But God knows that about each of us, doesn't he? That we struggle with anxiety. Why do you think Jesus said, cast all your burdens on me? Why do you think Jesus said, come take my burden? Right? My yoke is easy. Take it. Let me carry your problems. Because he knows we all struggle. It's the same reason whenever an angel shows up, they always say, do not be afraid. He says it because he knows we're going to be afraid, right? He knows we're going to struggle with anxiety. And the cool part about Philippians 4 is he shows us exactly how we can fight the anxiety in our lives. Look at four six. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, With thanksgiving, present your requests to God. In every situation, present your requests to God by prayer and petition with thanksgiving in your heart. Give it to God. Give the good to God. Give the scary to God. Give your struggles to God. Give it to God. Lay them all at his feet. That's the key to shalom peace. Through prayer, we trust him. I want to remind you of something cool. This prayer time can be intense. Do you remember Jesus in the garden right before he was rested? His prayer was so intense that he bled. He prayed. He cried out that God would take the cup of his suffering away. He was intensely praying to God. That wasn't the now I lay me down to sleep prayer, was it? But you know how he ended that prayer? Not my will, but yours be done. Basically, if I was going to paraphrase that, he said, God, I trust your plan no matter where it leads me. So whatever you want, I'll do. That's the kind of prayer I think Paul's talking about here in Philippians. Real, honest, pure. Pouring out our heart to God And then trusting Him. And then, then the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Don't you love that? I love that. The peace of God which is greater than we could ever understand. When the world looks at it, They're going to think we're nuts because we trust that God has it. We've all seen people who live that way. We've seen people who understand that even in the diagnosis of stage four cancer, God's got it. Either way, I'm good. In the death of a loved one, God's got it. He's with Jesus. He's better off than he was here. I celebrate that. It just looks crazy to the outside world who don't have hope, who are afraid of everything. It doesn't make sense. That's why it transcends understanding. But I want to stress that this peace is here. It's in the hearts of everyone who trusts Jesus as their Lord and Savior. But we definitely can choose not to live in peace, can't we? But see, it's our choice. In fact, it's our sinful choice to choose to live outside of God's peace. Because God made a promise to us. He promised us his peace. Then he sums it up with the final instructions to all of us. The single most practical part comes in verse 8. The how do we keep our focus on the right place part of the scripture. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things. Whatever you have learned or you have received from or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. When you go through that list in verse 8, and I truly encourage you as we come into the Christmas week and we approach Christmas Eve where we celebrate the birth of our Savior to spend some time reading verses 8 and 9 meditating on that passage. I really believe there could be no better way to prepare for the celebration of Christmas. Notice that all of those things, all those things we're supposed to pay attention to, what we're supposed to dwell on, are part of who God is. True, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. That's who God is. So to live in the shalom peace of God, we focus on God himself. And Jesus has given us that ability through the power of the Holy Spirit living in us to experience and know, to meditate and dwell, to live and to grow in the shalom peace of Christ. I pray to each of you that as you keep your mind on Christ, on what Jesus did for us, and as we grow and we we come closer and celebrate the birth of our Savior, that you hold on to that, that you open your heart to what God's already put in there, his shalom peace. And I pray if you've never experienced the shalom peace of God, So you spend some time this week just asking to receive. He already promised it. And God keeps his promises. If you want to talk to somebody, man, I'm here. Others here at Lakeshores are here for you to talk, to help you, to encourage you. But all you need is Jesus. So I pray today that you go and you live in the shalom peace of God. Shalom, my brothers and sisters. Amen. Love you guys. I'll see y'all Thursday night at Christmas Eve. Have a great week.